0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Members Circle. This is part of the monthly Sharpener community. One of the most popular questions I get is, how can I support the podcast? And I appreciate that sentiment. And the follow-up is usually, do you have a Patreon channel? The answer to that question is, no, I don't have a Patreon channel. And I don't intend on starting one because I started Members Circle. So you may be wondering, well, what's included inside Members Circle? First off, you get the long play video version of the podcast. Often there are extra conversations that happen inside an interview, and they don't make their way to the audio version. That's all included inside the video version of the podcast. You also get access to royalty-free reference photos. These are photos that I've taken myself of landscapes, still lifes, portraits, and there's over 100 reference photos available to you right now, and that list keeps on growing. So what else is available inside Member Circle? We have a members-only office hours. This is a live event where we bring on a teacher showing their particular technique on a surface or regarding a subject matter and demonstrating something for you free of charge to members. I think one of the best things about that is it's all recorded and available for you if you can't attend live. There are so many other perks and benefits available to you. Once you become a member, go over to the show notes to get the link. SharpenedArtist.com slash podcast. And we thank our members for their support of the Color Pencil Podcast. The Sharpened Artist Color Pencil Podcast inspiration and innovation
1: we're talking everything you want to know about this medium that we love so much
0: and we're your hosts john middick and barb sodiropoulos hey there welcome back to the show my name is john middick of sharpenedartist.com and this is the sharpened artist Color pencil podcast and i'm joined by my co-host barb sodiropoulos barb how are you today i'm doing wonderful how are you Awesome. All right. So Barb and I are going to be talking about how to find reference photos. Why are you guys talking about reference photos? Well, you may recall we are in season two of the podcast and we are going through the fundamentals of creating your own artwork, fundamental drawing skills and everything related to colored pencil when you're starting out and moving you through that process. So very early on, then it becomes important to have a reference photo. Many artists rely on reference photos to create their own artwork. Whether it's a direct copy of the photo or using it as visual information to accurately represent parts of a subject, it's an important tool that cannot be overlooked.
1: I couldn't agree more, John. So in this episode, we're going to talk about how you find royalty-free reference photos.
0: Right. And should you be using those photos, even if you're legally allowed to?
1: We're also going to discuss what to do if you want to use your own reference in your work.
0: And we'll talk a little bit about what alternative tools exist uh, a long time ago and even today in the ArtFact Minute. So get ready for that.
1: And then also we'll let you know just what to look for in a good reference photo.
0: All right, awesome. So let's talk about the beginner then for a moment. In the beginning, you may want to start with photos that are provided in tutorials. Those are free or ones that have been purchased. And it's a great way to start because the instructor just gives you this photo and walks you through the rendering process step by step. And they show you the photo. And this is how they would create a piece of artwork from this reference photo.
1: Yeah, and I think um, one of the things you really want to look at when you're a beginner, especially, is to pay attention to attributes of the photo that they've chosen. So, for example, is it something about the lighting, the composition, or the degree of detail that's in the photos and use this as a guide for how you pick your own photos afterwards. So, for example, if you're doing tutorials that are based on like singular images with no background, you know, that might be a good starting point for you. So try to find other images that are similar. Or, you know, if you're trying to get a little bit more complex, like just look for what those similarities are between what people are recommending to you as a beginner and what you actually look for yourself.
0: I couldn't agree more. And you may want to explore some royalty free sites yourself. I mean, you start wanting to venture out and maybe you're not under the direction of an instructor or a book and you decide, oh, I'm just going to do this on my own. It can be kind of a rabbit hole, but it's also a fun thing to do. And it opens up your mind, especially if you've not been creating art and you're brand new to it or coming back to it. It will open up your mind and you can just go out there and explore and find out uh, what's possible when you start looking around at photo reference sites.
1: Yeah, I'd add to that, John, as well. Like, If you are going into these royalty-free reference sites, um, it can be addicting in a weird way yeah, and you can, can end be. up with more photos than you are drawings. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm certainly guilty of that myself. It's I, like a I hoarding have
0: a, session. I know. Going on. I,
1: <laughs> I have a special hard drive that's just for photo reference. And I like, I have all these like, especially with, you know, these royalty free sites didn't always used to exist. And
0: now that they do, it's like, <laughs> right. it's
1: like I, some, I, I swear it's like, I feel like I'm trying to take as many as I can before yeah. they tell me I can't. It's like, <laughs> You know, Google like called,
0: going, they want to use it as a storage. Right?
1: <laughs> it's totally hoarding because you're like, oh, I might need, this is a good one I came across. Right. I'm looking for something else right now, but I'm going to take this one just in case. Yeah, but yeah. then you spend so much time doing that that you're not actually drawing or that yeah. you can't you can't make a decision. Right. So so what I would say is, you know, uh, my advice, if you're a beginner especially, and like part of if part of the challenge for you is trying to figure out what you're going to draw, figure it out beforehand or give yourself a list of themes or topics or subject matter, pick one yeah. and really give yourself um, a timer, uh, and you set a set of timer, even for like 10 minutes or something. Yeah. Cause honestly you can be in there half an hour and you're like, where right. did the time go? And well, now I can't yeah. draw. So, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, depending on how much time you have to create art every day. So I would say, give yourself a specific subject, uh, a specific amount of time to find it. Uh, you know, choose something like maybe five to 10 images if mm-hmm. that's if there's enough there for you to work from and then stop, pick one of them and then yep. go with that. Because go with honestly, it. yeah, the decision process with these kind of things can be so overwhelming that you end up doing nothing.
0: <laughs> well, and what happens also after a while, um, you wear yourself down and, and you start going through decision fatigue because you are totally. you are overwhelmed with all the options and you feel like, oh, this is just way too much. It, it wasn't at the beginning. If you would have limited your time, I'm talking to myself here because I've done this. Uh, <laughs> even with my own photos, I've done it. And it's like photo one versus photo two is not that much difference you know. in, in the two. There's not much different about those two. So, yeah, there becomes this, this thing that happens where you just get worn out. And the more you look at it, the harder it becomes. So That's yeah, so just true. make a decision. That's great advice, Barb. I love that.
1: Another thing I want to add to that is just that you know, even for myself, when I was going and trying to find a photo for the tutorial that I did in the CP Magic issue that I'm in this month, I, <laughs> I I went through all of my own photos and and trying to even just decide between those. It was it was this can complicated process of like, okay, well, which one do I want to use? Is this yeah. going to be appropriate? Will this work? You know, there's a lot of decision making that really goes into picking a photo. Like sometimes people will just pick one that they think looks nice, but that's not always necessarily a photo that's going to work for a drawing, especially as a beginner. Right. And that's and that's something that I think um, people overlook sometimes. What works is mm-hmm. a photograph like you would think, oh, if it works as a photograph, it works as a drawing. But that's not in my opinion. That's not always necessarily true. Like sometimes there's things you're going to want to change. Or adjust to actually make it more appropriate for a drawing.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Couldn't agree more. If it stands alone as a great photo, then why draw it?
1: Sometimes a photo can be enhanced as a drawing. So even if it doesn't look perfect as the photo as is, you can sometimes still, if the composition is, still, if there are other elements that are good about it, mm-hmm. you can then take that, draw, that photo yeah. And make it a drawing and make it better than what it was
0: as a photo. Well, that's true. I agree with that. But sometimes yeah. I, I see a photo that I that I've taken I really like and I'm like, that no, I'm not gonna draw that that's a good photo I took. That's a yeah. photo, and I'm not gonna draw that. Not yeah, every photo I, has I to know.
1: be a drawing. I mean exactly. maybe that's it doesn't the, I mean photography is an art form in its in itself. It is. I mean, realistically it is. when you're talking it about why art. artists are using photos, I mean part of it is because you know, the, the the whole muscle of imagination, I mean, I think yeah. most artists will agree that, you know, trying to draw something out of your head completely is almost impossible unless you're really good at it. And there definitely are people who are very good at There's it. There's some that you can know, do people, it, yeah. Yeah, people who are illustrators, especially, you know, like if they're drawing something that is in a very stylized way, chances are they've practiced that for years. And so they kind of yeah. like know how to draw these things. I mean, it's similar with people who tend to draw anime. There's just... There's yeah. certain shapes, and like, this is how you draw eyes, and this is how you you're draw a right. face in anime, and this is how, you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So those sort of things, like, yeah, you can eventually do that out of your head, but when you're talking about representational art, right, you can't, you know, unless you're drawing something that's sitting in front of you, which is certainly also an option, you know, drawing from life, which, you know, yeah. we don't want to discount at all, but that's sort of a different episode. <laughs> but is, if you are yeah. talking about using, you know, a, something like an animal, for example, if yeah. you want to draw a tiger, well, it's going to be really hard to draw a tiger and get it to sit there in the same position at the same time. Right, so, right. you know, chances are you are going to rely on a on a on a photo that's been taken of it that is in the exact position you want because the lighting is great. He's he's sitting there, yeah. and yeah. you can you know use it to your heart's content in the, right. in the exact same position.
0: Yeah, it's a great aid. It's a necessary evil that we use photos. It really is. I mean, we have to, we have to do that. Uh, I think, especially as colored pencil artists being in such a slow, slow medium like this.
1: Yeah. I mean, painting, you know, you could probably get away with doing something on the spot and, Something mm-hmm. very gestural and mm-hmm. expressive right. and that sort of thing. But Even again, charcoal, you know, you know. Yeah, yeah, again, when you're talking about really high realism in art, I mean, right. you kind of need that still image to to work yeah. from unless yeah. unless you've got an impeccable memory, which honestly, that probably exists, too. But I would say the general population just doesn't yeah. have that. So.
0: Yeah, I, I just I, I just think that's difficult for ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the population. To contain all that information in yeah. your head, but I would also argue that even from a photo reference, you're still drawing from memory. Um, yeah, and and from real life, you're still drawing from memory. So. And what I mean by that is you're looking at your reference, but you can't look at your reference or you shouldn't look at your reference and draw the while you're looking at the reference. That would just be I mean, that's talent, too. I mean,
1: there's probably people that can do that as well. But again, small number of the population. And we haven't done studies, by the way. So these are just estimations and percentages. But like...
0: But you if you know, if, it's, yeah, I would like to have that guy <laughs> on uh, that person, that woman or man Someone's on the podcast, it. though.
1: <laughs> Someone, please reach out to us yes. if you would like to come on the show and talk those numbers you yeah. we'll gladly have you <laughs> well no
0: i'm talking about even the person that can draw from memory that oh, yeah, much information that too. and show a lightness of a person i would love to see that person have you uh, seen the uh, like the them. people
1: on on uh on instagram or youtube that can draw with both hands at the same time like that okay
0: that's a different episode we're going to talk about it that is at a some different point episode, but, but i'm just that, saying
1: like that's people an illusion i've got
0: i've got an opinion <laughs> on what what's happening there but it, it's it's an okay, illusion well, with even videography. So anyway. We
1: will we will go down that road another time.
0: Yeah, we will. Moving
1: on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as a beginner also, so another thing that I would highly recommend is uh, joining something like the Color Pencil Magazine Monthly Challenge. It's what yeah, I it's started with personally. Uh, the reason I recommend that is because, again... Um, you know, you have a whole month to render the the image that is chosen. I know sometimes they're kind of leaving it a little bit open now, and just saying like, "Hey, draw your pet or whatever," and mm, you can okay. kind of pick the subject. But yeah, in previous years, a lot of the times it was an image that was take you know taken real, given you know permission to the group to draw. Yeah. And what was really valuable about that for me was that um, I got to see how other people drew the same subject. So people who yeah. had more advanced skills than me. So the competition's open to everyone from beginners all the way to advanced artists. So you're you're seeing people who are other beginners. You're seeing people who know the medium better. And you're kind of like, OK, like I, I would sit there and try and break down in my head, like, OK, how did they how did they do that? Or, you know, some people right. would kindly post some of their in progress photos of some of the challenge drawings. And so you'd kind of get to see, oh, OK, that's what they did at that stage. And maybe right, that's right. how they're layering now. And, you know, how someone else approaches drawing the same photo, sometimes there's a lot of value you can gain yeah, from from learning from your your peers, essentially, in right. a situation like that
0: that's one thing that I do in my monthly workshops as well. I do monthly portrait workshops and that's essentially what I'm doing is I'm taking a reference photo and I'm walking the students through how to render some artwork from this reference photo. Uh, So again, I think it's a very useful thing to do if you're a beginner artist or even intermediate and advanced. I've even had advanced artists take my workshops quite often as well. Because they want to you know, learn a new uh, skill or they want to learn the new you know, surface that we're on. The list can go on and on. But yeah, it's very useful to see someone taking a reference photo and showing you everything from the layout, the line drawing, all the way through to completion. So I don't leave things out. I show the students every single thing even after the workshop and uh, any rendering I do afterwards, that's all recorded for them and they have access to that. So
1: Yeah. And, you know, I love seeing people post their drawings from those workshops and uh, monthly sharpener afterwards. I feel like, yeah, Yeah. it's really great to see. And you can see even certain people that post quite frequently, you know, when Mm -hmm. they've really, something's really clicked with them and they've learned something for sure. And like, you can see that improvement in their work. And I think too, You know, what's, again, really valuable about that is part of being an artist and part of doing, again, representational artwork Mm -hmm. is looking at something and then breaking it down in your mind on how you're going to then represent that with the medium that you've chosen to use. So what's valuable about doing workshops and that sort of thing is you get somebody saying, well, this is how my brain works and this is how I look at this photo. Because some people, beginners especially, you could look at a photo and just be like, "I don't even know where to start." I don't know like, where to I, start. Yeah. Like, how do you even? How am I supposed to be, take this and make it that? Like, yeah. It's like, how do you begin? You know, how
0: what what totally. is this? So and it, it's a mystery. It really is. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think you know, I, I would say you know for myself and and possibly for you as well, you develop this formula for yourself mm-hmm. that you know kind of you have it in your head and it's like a step by step process. Right. And you may have to tweak it every now and again. Right. But essentially it's it's a, a way for you to kind of always attack the problem and it's a way yeah. for you to start in it, it's like okay well i know if i'm you know sometimes it even comes down to like deciding what your paper choice is sometimes yeah. it's better to start on a toned surface right because you're not gonna have to work as hard to get to your end results or maybe it's a stylistic choice like all yeah. of those decisions can happen at the beginning of of when you're looking at a reference photo, and mm-hmm. and I think when you're having those experiences again in a workshop setting or a tutorial, mm-hmm. whether even if it's a PDF version of a tutorial, you're you're getting that opportunity to get insight into that artist's uh, mindset in terms yeah. of how they're going to look at this. I mean, being an artist to some extent is problem solving, right? No, so it, it,
0: it's all about problem solving. Yeah, yeah, it really is. You know, maybe you guys have thought of something that um, uh, we didn't talk about here. Maybe you're talking, you're thinking about a particular book that you really uh, enjoy and you're going through the tutorials in that book. That's what I did when I started out. And then I, like Barb, I also did some of the monthly challenges over there in Colored Pencil Magazine. If you go back far enough, you'll see some of my drawings from way back when. But yeah, I did that in a book as well. I went to the back of the book where there were some tutorials and I. Just went through there and just did those single subjects, you know, and worked through those. Very, very beneficial to do that. It starts helping you to understand how to take this reference and make it into something entirely different. Barb, you've got a great resource for color pencil artists, isn't that right?
1: That's right, John. I designed printable colored pencil charts for 10 popular lines of colored pencils and five watercolor and water-soluble pencils.
0: Awesome. I love it. So for those who have not purchased them yet, what's one of the advantages of your charts?
1: One of the benefits of these charts is that I've included the manufacturer's lightfast rating for each pencil, as well as an open space for you to add ratings from additional sources like the CPSA's independent testing.
0: Oh, that's great. So you can find the color quickly and see if it has a good light fast rating at the same time.
1: That's right. All the information is there for you on the chart at a glance.
0: That's awesome. So tell us how we can get one of your charts.
1: Sure. Head over to barbsodiart.com and under my shop tab, you'll find a link for printable color charts. From there, you can learn more about the benefits of these charts and also all the colored pencil lines I have charts created for.
0: Great. Thanks, Barb. And you guys can head on over to the show notes for the link to get Barb's printable color charts. You can also save 20% off any single chart using the code SHARPART20. We also thank Amazon Music Unlimited for their support of the podcast. If you're looking for a new music streaming service, Amazon Music Unlimited will be perfect. It features 70 million songs and thousands of expert-programmed playlists and stations, all available ad-free. Enjoy your 30-day free trial when you go to getamazonmusic.com sharp. It's time for the Art Fact Minute. So, Barb, we're going to be talking about the Camera Obscura. Do you know much about the Camera Obscura?
1: I know a little bit about it for what I learned about it in art history class in college, but I think I need you to refresh my memory a bit on how it works exactly.
0: All right. No problem. So I'm happy to explain this. I am fascinated with the Camera Obscura, and I have been for a long time. David Hockney, I believe, talked about how about 200 years ago that there was this resurgence that happened where realism just took on a whole new level and a whole new form and he attributes that to the camera obscura so what is a camera obscura for those that may not know the word is from a latin term known as dark chamber camera comes from a word meaning room or chamber and obscura just means dark you can kind of hear in that obscure something that is not clear right This is a pretty accurate name since the basis of this tool requires a dark enclosed space with a pinhole on one of the four walls. So it's basically like a pinhole camera.
1: Yes. It's all coming back to me now. So how does that work exactly?
0: Okay. So say you made a box with a pinhole and then you set up a still life outside that box in front of the pinhole. The light then passes through the pinhole. It will project the image on the opposite wall inside that box. And the other thing it does is it refracts. It flips that image upside down, which is really kind of an odd thing because light moves in a straight line through the hole, your image will project upside down and it will be inverted.
1: Wow, that's so cool. Uh, So how can artists use this tool then?
0: Well, Barb, artists have been using this tool for centuries most notably a dutch artist by the name johannes vermeer i'm sure everyone has heard of this particular artist and it's believed that he probably used this tool to create his immaculately lit paintings and you can find instructions on how to make your own camera obscura or you can purchase one online i i would say though that probably most artists today don't want to do that this is the precursor to the camera today because Back in the early 1800s, you remember what happened was scientists figured out, oh, we can actually put chemicals on a plate to show the reflection of that light and then the sensitivity of the chemicals expose how much dark and light is actually left on the plate. So it's kind of a cool thing. So we do have a resource over there if you want to nerd out on more about the Camera Obscura. Go over to the show notes, sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. So, Barb, let's talk about the intermediate artist, the one who's maybe uh, been doing this for a little bit and uh, they're starting to get maybe just a little more serious about it. They want to level up a little bit. Right. So maybe they're ready to use royalty free stock photos uh, with more intention. Maybe they're looking for a specific subject matter. Maybe they have something very specific in mind within even. A particular subject, they're looking and hunting around for that particular thing that that could probably be a direction that you want to go into and and go in that direction. If you're in an intermediate stage, try to sort of hone what you're doing and carve out nearly this uh, this niche within maybe subject medium or any, anything else that can set you apart You know, you're getting away from this exploration all over the place stage and you're starting to hone in here a little bit more.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and that's something I try to talk about, too, with my art mentoring students is just the idea of, you know, how are you determining your style and like finding a direction and just ideas of how you can go down that route. So if you're talking about being more intermediate and also like wanting to create more of a body of work. That's cohesive, you know, maybe it's something like deciding on a handful of subjects that you're going to continually draw, just even for a period of time. It doesn't have to be forever. Like, you can decide, okay, well, I'm in a flower phase. And so, you know, really drill down, okay, you can even get it down to the type of flower that you draw. Maybe you would just want to draw roses all the time and you get really good at that and, you know, build on that. Um, And what I would say, too, is at this point, it's a good time to start assessing where your skill level is at and look for photos that challenge you in the areas that you're weak. A lot of times people will want to just gravitate to the things that they're already good at. But I think when you get to an intermediate level, that's almost where you need to start pushing yourself because you're never going to get good at those things that you're not good at if you just continually avoid them.
0: Right. Yeah, definitely. Um yeah, hit those weak areas or areas that you're struggling in head on and uh, try to tackle those things uh, maybe even first and really you know hone in on that and just say, "Okay, I'm not going to be scared of that anymore. I'm not going to be intimidated by that. I'm just going to uh tackle that." Awesome. All right. Also at this point, you may uh be considering uh, you know, entering competitions and shows and Maybe doing something local or regional, and uh, maybe something that is broader. And so it's at this point, Barb, that the intermediate artist needs to start thinking about taking their own reference photos because there's a lot of shows and a lot of competitions that you just will be you'll be excluded from these because that's a requirement in a lot of more professional shows. That you are the artist, the original creator from start to finish. So a photo is a work of art. So if you're not the one that took that piece of art, you're not the one that originated that idea, and you didn't take that photo, there's so many shows that you cannot use that artwork in. You, you cannot submit your, your work to. So, and that's a sad thing if you're thinking now I'm in that phase where I want to start doing that. You look back at your body of work and it's only from tutorials or it's only from a lot of stock photo references that you gathered through the years. So it's just something to keep in mind, something to start thinking about. Maybe you want to submit your work to a magazine also and and write a tutorial or something. Then you need to have your own reference photos to choose from. So I can't I can't stress that enough. That's really where I want. You to be if you're starting to feel like you're out of the beginner stage and you're starting to move ahead, then I I can't stress this enough, Barb. If you feel like today you're listening today and you're not a beginner anymore, take your own reference photos. You can do it. You can do it.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was something that my college instructors really recommended to us too, is just to always be taking photos, always have a camera with you. If you go on a trip somewhere like What I really think is interesting and, you know, it's it's one of those things you don't really think about, but when even taking a photography course, it really teaches you to look at the world a little bit differently. So you start noticing details on buildings and like certain things that just maybe you didn't notice before, maybe you did notice them, but, you know, finding uh, interesting ways to take pictures of them. And that's what I would say actually is still the benefit of royalty-free photos is Mm -hmm. that You know, if you're really being a student at the time, like a lot of the photography on there is incredible. And I honestly can't believe some people are giving those photos away. Like, I'm like, what are you doing? But, but, uh, but, but truly, if you, if you decide to be a student of what they're doing, so in terms of lighting, composition, um, subject matter, how, 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 you know, how they're cropping something, those sort of things. If you can look at those things and then apply them to your own photography, I mean, most smartphones take incredible pictures now and they have all Mm -hmm. kinds of built-in editing tools and there's certainly apps out there you can download to that that can help you very easily and very like you know you don't have to have all these proprietary skills anymore to to take a good photo and so you know what i would say to that is you know the other thing you want to consider um, just going back briefly to the the idea of competitions, um, you also need to consider the consequences of using the same photo as another artist, even yeah. if it is royalty free. So, you know, that's part of probably why they don't allow it in competitions, because, you know, if you really like drawing tigers and you get your photos from wildlife reference photos and somebody else likes that yeah. and say you both pick the same photo, then you both draw it and you both enter it into the competition. Well, I mean, it starts to look weird, right? Like. And and here's the thing, and I've told this story probably a few times now on the podcast on various episodes, but it's happened to me. I, I did a barn owl drawing, and I actually entered it in a competition, and I won prizes for it and all that, but another artist on Instagram has drawn the exact same photo, and I feel like I never post mine anymore because for, for a variety of reasons, but... Part of the reason I don't is because there's always that chance that somebody is going to think that one of us copied the other. And the other side of it, too, is that, sure, a bunch of artists know that these royalty-free sites exist, but the general population doesn't. So if they both follow you and they're like, well, wait a minute, what's going on here? Is this from, like, you know what I mean? And, And especially now, the way Instagram is, there's so much, you know, like people reporting each other and whatever and there's a lot there is a lot of like fraud and like people just stealing other people's images and stuff like that sure it's not really probably going to look exactly the same but still there is that risk right so i mean we'll get into that a little bit later talking about how you can still use royalty-free photos and make them your own but i think that's something you want to really consider at this stage where you know you're kind of past really just learning and you're trying to like make more of a name for yourself as an artist. This is where you really need to start taking into consideration those things.
0: And even beyond that, um, like making a name for yourself to just speaking to that comment really quick. um, There's just something about being in control of the entire process from start to finish that feels good. And I I can't stress that enough that just, just having that amount of control And speaking your voice, not someone else's. There's just something very satisfying about that, right? I enjoy that so much, having that amount of control over everything. Um, I also want to say, you know, talking about uh, taking photos all the time. Yeah, do that. And guys, look, you could spend months and months, maybe years, trying to find the perfect camera, right? But it doesn't exist. The perfect camera is the one you have in your pocket because the perfect camera—it it doesn't matter if it, it's not the one you have with you. Yeah. Then it doesn't even matter. The only camera that matters is the one that you have with you at the time. So if you forget this big fancy camera, you've got your camera in your in your pocket. My cell phone shoots in RAW file type, so and that's what I highly recommend is that you use RAW file type when you're uh, taking your reference images so you have complete. Control manipulating that photo to make it what you want it to be. So, yeah, I, I think those are all awesome, awesome points.
1: Yeah, and that's maybe a good transition to go into talking about being a more advanced artist and and getting into those sort of more advanced um, uh, techniques, I guess, in terms of what you're incorporating as references for your art. Yeah. I would say, you know, you're saying the best camera is the one you have in your pocket. I mean, here's the thing, and and I said it earlier, is that most smartphones have incredible cameras. Some of them yeah. are probably even better than the SLR you bought. Three Unfortunately, years ago at this point. yeah, they yeah. they really are. And, and honestly, they're easier to use. So yes, yeah. um, I don't think smartphones will ever. I mean, sorry, no, I don't think smartphones will ever replace, you know, traditional cameras because yeah. there are still things that those lenses can do. Oh yeah, um, that are incredible. But well, having that if large I- glass,
0: you just can't get yeah. around that. That quality, totally. You know,
1: but but if the idea and and also and frankly the price point, if that intimidates you from getting into photography, that's fine. Actually, uh, there's courses now on iPhone photography or so smartphone photography. So you know, there's ways that you can kind of get around that. now that just weren't available to people even ten years ago. So. There's, there's ways now that you can kind of, again, like you're saying, take control of the creative process and look yeah. more into going into this direction of taking your own photos. And I think that's something that I think everyone should aspire to. Certainly, it's not always possible, depending on a variety of factors. But if you have it in your capability to do it, it's definitely something I would recommend as well.
0: Yeah, just to that point, Barb, about learning basic photography skills and taking your own photos, really. I do have um, a DSLR camera, like many of us do now. Just pick a price point and decide, okay, I'm only going to spend, I don't know what your budget is. Maybe I'm only going to spend 300 or or $1,200 or 2000 or whatever, and just say, I'm only going to spend that amount. And now I'm going to look for a camera within that range. And then you try to get uh, one of the best cameras within that range. That's that's what I did when I started out. And then I learned photography, not by taking a course, but just by reading and listening to podcasts, actually, about how to take better photos and and then some YouTube videos, but not as often because I was on my long commute to work during the day and I was just listening to podcasts about it. But Taking your photos and then being someone in control of that creative process, starting to approach people if you're a portrait artist. And that's that's when, you know, you're, you're wanting to start uh, getting a little more serious about being professional with what you're doing. So make sure you have a contract, uh, you have something in writing that you can hand out. And sometimes all it needs to be is a, like a little... Slip of paper that you give somebody uh, and you have those in your car or, you know, in your in your bag and you can just say, uh, hey, I'm an artist. Have your business card. I would like to take some references of you if that's something that you might be into. Uh, And then you can talk about compensation being, you know, I give you the proofs of many of these photos, the ones that you give them or, you know, you compensate them for their time. You pay them an hourly rate or something. You work out those details ahead of time so that you have a nice smoother pitch, than what I just went through, and then you can say, "I just need um, some approval for that." You don't have that conversation all at one time, though. Not in the same sentence. You know, you you first approach them and you talk to them, and you have you know you baby steps will get you there. You know.
1: Yeah, you might want to practice it too, so you don't sound super awkward and sketchy.
0: And if and if you go through that entire paragraph. You will sound uh, super sketchy. I'll tell they you that. They probably you know.
1: walked away already. Is yeah, what yeah, I'm they saying. did. Yeah. Like, they're like, who is this weirdo? I'm out. Right, like, right. So sure, you don't, you're an artist.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you don't, oh, you, you don't know. want to do that, but you want to just say, you want, you want to compliment them on whatever it is, depending on who it is. And, and, uh, you know, if it's the opposite sex, you want to, you want to be careful about that, that they don't think this is a come on or something like that.
1: Uh, yeah, I, get weird in a I really
0: don't ever approach uh, a female unless my wife is with me or my daughters are with me. And then, you know, they're there with me approaching them. And, and it's usually someone I know or I've seen before. We've seen each other before, that kind of thing. Anyway, different show, different time.
1: There's also... Ways that you can get around that too. So mm-hmm. you know, a, a, eventually you could work up eventually to approaching uh, strangers on the street, but you can start with like friends and family members first. That's like, what people you should it's start not with. As, yeah, or yeah. classmates, or right. you know, a lot of time colleges have uh life drawing classes, or even yeah. art stores will have life drawing classes. You can go to those those yeah. classes, and I mean, I think you probably aren't allowed to take your own photos if they're if they're nude sessions, but at the same time like you know there are there are ways for you to kind of get to be in scenarios where it's a little bit more comfortable and less awkward and people right. are already understanding i mean you might even find somebody in one of the classes that you're like actually i'd really like to draw you mm-hmm. and because you're both already there it's probably going to be a little you know it's not going to be as hard of a sell right and
0: that's very so, common artists drawing artists i mean yeah yeah
1: it's a good yeah, exchange for sure yeah oh totally and uh I think, you know, the other thing I would recommend on that as well is if you're handing out a business card or something, I would personally have at the very least an Instagram set up with some examples of your work. Um, You know, obviously, it's better if you have a website that might make you look a little bit more credible. But, you know, if you don't want to go through the song and dance of that or you're still building, I would have at the very least an Instagram that you can direct people to so they can, you know, it also helps also prove that you were an an artist and that you're not just like creepily asking someone to like, you know, because unfortunately that is the world we live in. And so you want to be mindful of those things and be respectful to people, especially if they're strangers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I, I try to put myself in uh, their shoes and I would be very leery. Uh, someone just approaching me uh, cold like that.
1: Oh, yeah, I would. I would be yeah. like, I don't even think I'd let them get half a sentence out no, right, if they right. did. I would be like looking like a scared Security. deer the whole time. Security. Like it just, you know, I... <laughs> I on it like tr- truly. I probably yeah. wouldn't even take the compliment. I'd be like, I gotta go.
0: <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right.
1: <laughs> you know. So, and actually, that's an interesting point because um, what I was going to say is like for myself. Like I know John, you use your own photo reference typically, but for me, I tend to use royalty free still for the most part. Um, I try to use my own photos when I can, but for the most part, because I do a lot of um, more imaginative and kind of Mm -hmm. surreal stuff, um, a lot of what I'm doing ends up being composited royalty-free images. So for example, that's a way that you can take royalty-free photos and make them your own so that they're not looking the same in the end as the original photo. So then if somebody does use the same photo, it's not going to look the same. And I do a lot of Photoshop manipulation and that sort of thing. And, I have a YouTube video on my channel where I talk about that a little bit, and we can link that in the show notes just to kind of show you a little bit of my process with that. But, um, you know, I think that's if, if you know, the idea of approaching people and taking their photograph just kind of like, you know, if you're totally not there and that's like not something you're even remotely interested in doing, you know, you still can use royalty-free photos, again, with limitations for competitions and that sort of thing. but. It can, you know, there, there's a lot that you can do, and maybe instead of a photography course, you're taking a Photoshop course or something like that. Mm-hmm. That you know, and that's certainly something you and I have talked about, John. Just giving people a little bit of introduction on how to use those programs as right. artists. So, those kind of things will um, also give you options if if you're not ready to just you know fully start taking your own
0: photos. You glossed over that so quick, Barb. I just want to highlight but, that again. That, over what? That Barb and I are actually working on. <laughs> oh, giving you guys some actual material, some some um some direction and some help with this by way of a course. So we're actually working on uh, a series of some things. So more on that later, but uh, just to let you know, yeah, we're we're it's thinking about of- you guys.
1: It's a lot of work. We're working a lot hard of work. on it behind the scenes. Yeah, but, you we know, are. We want to make it good. And we do. And I didn't mean to gloss over it. No, I just, no, you know, fine. I have so many thoughts in my head when I'm talking sometimes <laughs> that I'm like, you, you need to focus and get the one <laughs> thought out. Otherwise, I'll start meandering to the other, you know? So,
0: anyway. <laughs> but uh, but no, I, I I did want to say, though, that guys, uh, we, we hear you, we've heard you. Uh, a lot we of you, you, you have you. asked. <laughs> that uh barb and i create something like that because we both use photoshop and uh in somewhat different ways and so uh, yeah. but that's one tool we use several tools and and we're happy to to do that and to try to give some some help to you in that regard all right Absolutely. yeah i can't wait for that barb that'll be fun
1: mm-hmm.
0: all right let's talk resources barb what do you got for us
1: Sure. So, uh, um, some of the popular sites, and certainly there's a lot of them out there. They pop up, I'm sure. Yeah. Almost daily, if not yearly. Well, maybe not daily. That might be a little extreme. But anyway, some of the more popular ones that people use are pexels.com, pixabay.com, yeah, unsplash.com, wildlife reference photos.com. Uh, there's certainly some Facebook groups out there that are all about royalty-free photos people can use. I believe Wet Canvas still has, um, wetcanvas.com. Um, they yeah. still have a section where you can, you know, paint or draw whatever photo is submitted in the group. So there's a lot of options there. Um, I, I would say try to try to change it up. I mean, I used to be pretty heavy into using Pixabay all the time. And now I kind of use a couple different ones when I'm looking for photos because oh, I feel huh. like, I feel like we all end up finding the same the same ones. So, again, you know, my my whole thing is that I try to change them so that they yeah. don't look like they did originally, but you know, if you're not quite there yet, those are definitely some really great sites with some incredibly high quality photos yeah. on them, which again, I'm shocked that any of these people are allowing it. I <laughs> But I mean, part of it too is it's 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 advertising for the photographer, right? Because you almost think, well, if they're willing to give this away for free, what's the really good stuff like, right? right? So that's sort of the idea behind it. But, you know, um, I would say, too, and I I forgot to mention this earlier and I apologize for this. But, you know, there's nothing as much as these are royalty free photos, there's also nothing wrong with crediting the original photographer, even if it was royalty free. Um I think it's it's a good practice. I don't tend to do that only because I'm using so many different ones together and changing it, but yeah. I think if you are if you're taking something and copying it very much directly, yeah. I think it's a good practice to get into and certainly a lot of yeah. the Facebook groups want you to do that as well. So
0: I I'm so happy that you said that Barb. For you, I mean, I almost feel like that you are just using it as Loose reference material yeah. for your entire artwork composition. Um yeah. But yeah, I definitely agree with that sentiment that if you are using someone else's creative design and uh, vision, because if you're trying to nearly represent that photo, then it just seems logical, guys, that you would give them that person's name. You would give them credit. I mean, it's the least you can do, right? Um so uh, yeah, I I totally agree with that. I think it's a respectful thing to do rather well, than say. I found this on Unsplash. I don't know, you know, yeah, <laughs> something well, think like of that.
1: It, think of it as a collaboration too, and it really right? is. Like, I mean, because yeah, they like were even, the
0: artist, the original artist.
1: Yeah, and even for yourself, you know, when you um, take photos of other people. I think you typically tend to title your pieces after the person's name. And I mean, most of the time, it, it, yeah, it humanizes it. Right. Like right. it gives it that, you know, it's it's the you're not just like, oh, this is random person.
0: Right. Who right. Unless you spell the their world. name wrong, which like, I did recently.
1: Well, Oops. I mean, that'll happen. Right. But, <laughs> I, spelled but, Donovan,
0: uh, I spelled Donovan's name wrong. I feel so bad about it.
1: Would you like to apologize to him I'm publicly right now? I apologize mean, publicly can.
0: right now, Donovan. I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> it's no, I will. really He's am. Like, I, I can't I believe feel... I
1: let this guy <laughs> take my picture and he spells my name. Yeah, around. I
0: feel I feel so awful about it. But um, I can't unscramble the egg. I-, I will title my artwork his actual name. But uh, other than that, I can't go back to all the hundreds of places that that name appears now everywhere. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i just glad you said that, Barb. I think that's an important thing. And guys, one last uh, little um, plug here for something Barb said earlier. I think you mentioned it. Uh, it was something that I really wanted to say today is it, even if you're not using these reference sites for taking photos from them, at least go out there. And another one I wanted to mention was 500px. I don't know if you go to that one, Barb. I love that one.
1: Oh no, I've never been to that one.
0: Oh, you should go there. That's that's a great oh, one. but, but anyway, I'm it down. Yeah, 500px, uh, 500 pixels. So, what what I really want to encourage you to do though, is at least Barb talked about being a student of photography, of these photographers. You know, look at what they've done. They have a creative vision, and they have a voice when they're representing their subject matter. And we can learn a lot. And actually, that's where I learn most of the things that I want to try to depict in my work. I often get this question, or it feels like I got it often, I got it a lot in 2021 from different people about, well, who are the colored pencil portrait artists that you really admire and look up, look up to? And there there are some that I think are doing some really creative things and some neat things. But more than that, what I find myself doing is looking at people that use a very minimalistic approach to art and do sketching. And then I'm also looking at photographers because, oh my goodness, in black and white photography, it just, oh, it just gets me. The things that those artists are doing with the camera lens, just amazing. I mean, just what they're saying through their voice with just value is just phenomenal I, I just think it's so beautiful
1: yeah I totally agree
0: all right so some final thoughts Barb
1: yeah I think I just want to say to anyone listening who now feels like okay well now I've got to be good at art and I've got to be a good photographer <laughs> no <laughs> which is which you don't is have essentially <laughs> what you may feel like we have just told you yeah but no. uh, I just want to emphasize again that like you know what I really love about some art that i've seen is some, I you know sometimes artists will share their original reference photo beside yeah. the artwork right and oftentimes the ones that i love the most are they've done something where they've made it look even better than the photo and i think that should always be your goal you right. may not be their skill level wise yet but i think what it also tells you is that you don't have to have a perfect photo to begin with to make it look good in the end i right. mean that's part of what you're doing as an artist is you're making decisions and you're making choices to to make something different and better and make people see it through your eyes and your creativity so i mean that may not be something you're able to do right out of the gate and that's fine but again you should always with any kind of royalty-free reference or whatever it is that you're using everything that we've said already just the idea of Learn from that while you're doing it. Like mm-hmm. take mental notes about lighting and composition and use that into your future pieces because if all you're trying to do is be a copyist, which I you know I understand that for some people that's that's all they're in it for and they're hobbyists and, and whatever yeah, yeah. and they just want to do it and that's cool. But yeah. if your goal as an artist is to to be you know a, a, truly an artist and truly you know what I would consider my opinion as an artist to be clear, it's one of those things where you have to be taking all those things in at the same time right. to eventually get to where you want to be. And you can take a very poorly taken photo and make mm-hmm. it look amazing as a piece of art. So yeah. don't don't think that just because you can't make your photos look like even the stuff you're seeing on these sites, right. that you can't then make it a piece of artwork that looks very similar to
0: that. Absolutely. No, very well said. Um, guys, I'm not a good photographer. I'm a testament to anybody who thinks that you know you have to be a great photographer. No, you don't. Just look at look at me. Um, and my daughter will often say, you know, I'll get one back that I've taken recently, especially with this one lens. There's one lens I have that it always seems to do this. It'll just be out of focus. And she'll say, what What happened there, Dad? That is totally out of focus. Like I you know, old eyes, like, sorry, can't help it. I couldn't <laughs> see it, you know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it just it just happens. So I, th- I think in closing also, Barbara, I just want to say, you don't really have to think of this as requirements. Uh, we're giving you some, some things to think about regarding reference photos. Remember, guys, it depends on your goals, uh, what you're wanting to actually do. So when we're talking about professional, we're talking about somebody who is actually uh, wanting to do this as something that they're going to make money at, or they're going to be known for, or they're trying to represent something that is inside of them, that kind of thing. If you're a hobbyist, we're talking to you also. And so some of these things don't apply. So you get to pick and choose on which things you're going to listen to and, and follow. So I hope that we've given you some information that you can take with you and apply. Going forward,
1: moral of the story is do not steal photos off the internet that you don't know where the source are from.
0: Very, like, <laughs> yeah, very much so. <laughs>
1: don't take other people's photos. Don't right. like, don't like, I mean, I didn't think we needed to say it, but just in case.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think we need to tell our audience that, but I, I think there, there are some audiences use Google though, that Google
1: Images. Yeah, yeah,
0: no, don't, contrary do that. to
1: popular belief. Just right. because it's there, it doesn't mean you're allowed doesn't to use it. doesn't mean it's
0: royalty free. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't mean it's it can be used for anything. Thanks again for listening today. We really appreciate that. If you've not given a rating or a review to the show, we would appreciate that. You can reach out to the show by emailing podcast at sharpenedartist.com. And we will talk to you again. Until then, take care and stay sharp. Bye-bye.